when you're up against a hostile room of people who don't want to be there. You need real strategies that get results. Welcome to From Hostage to Hero, the show that gives you practical advice you can use right now in the courtroom, boardroom, or classroom. Learn how to move your unwilling audience to one that is invested in what you're saying, eager to participate, and engaged in the process. Learn from the attorney whisperer herself, your host, Sari Delamont. Well, welcome to another episode of From Hostage to Hero. Today we're talking about how trial is a transfer of both energy and power. So what do I mean by that? Well, let's talk about the From Hostage to Hero model. So in my model, what the journey from hostage to hero includes or contains are four steps. So the first step from hostage is to, uh, to hero is to introduce safety. And what that means is that jurors are not sure who you are, who everyone else is, who their fellow jurors are. They don't know how the process works, the whole thing. That's why they're a hostage. Uh, Go back to some of the first uh, episodes in this podcast. And your job is to first just communicate to them non-verbally that they are safe. We do that a variety of ways, through breathing, through specific authoritative nonverbal communication, through specific use of eye contact, so on and so forth. But the point is, you're safe. You don't need to worry. Once we've introduced safety, step two is to invite engagement. And so we are helping the jurors to become interactive with us, with the case, get engaged with both of those things, get engaged with each other. This is where group formation happens. And now they're learning a little bit about the case through the types of questions that you're asking. This is where we're creating that issue-oriented voir dire uh, that really gets at Here's what we're talking about. Here's what the issues are in the case. Here are the principles you're going to have to wrestle with should you decide to become a juror on this case. Now, once we've introduced safety and we've invited an engagement, now it's in time now it's time to inspire commitment. Meaning the jurors don't know enough until we get to about opening and they hear the details in order to commit to you in your case. And in fact, Current thinking suggests that most jurors have made up their mind by the end of opening statement. So the rest of trial is just a confirmation of the choice that they have already made in opening. So that's where your job is to inspire them to commit by the end of opening, to come over to your side, and now you have to prove that their choice was right through the end of trial. The last step is to incite action, to get them to take action action. And that happens during closing. In fact, the first step, which is introduce safety, is how you begin voir dire. The second step, inviting engagement, is what you're doing during voir dire. The third step, which is to inspire commitment, is opening. And the last step is insight action is during closing. Now you might wonder why I'm not talking about director cross-examine. That's because I'm more concerned with the times that you directly speak to or with the jurors. The rest of trial, you are not the main attraction anymore and you are not communicating with them or directly to them. It's the witnesses on the stand. And is that important? 
absolutely go back to the three things you're doing in trial podcast episode three or four ago. And we talk about how the, the that part of trial direct and cross exam is the part that's supporting all of these four steps. But I'm more concerned with the parts that you actually have control over. Now, the reason why these steps go in the order that they, they go in is because you can't skip levels. If you think about this in terms of, let's say, dating, you know, online dating is the big thing now. And <laughs> for women particularly, the first consideration when meeting a potential suitor is safety. I mean, that's why we go to coffee shops where we can leave or scream or there's other people around that's necessary. I mean, that's the first consideration is, is this guy or gal safe? Now, once we've determined that you are safe, then we start to give ourselves permission to engage with you. We have a conversation. Maybe we'll go on another dinner or we'll go on a dinner date or a couple dinner dates. And maybe that will continue for a while. And after we've been dating for a while, we might choose to commit our lives to each other and decide to move in together or get married. And finally, the last act is the actual moving in or getting married. That's the action piece. You cannot skip levels, not on dates and not with jurors. That's the entire point of the moving them from hostage to hero. You are increasing permission every time you move to the next step, meaning you have very little to no permission when you get started. And we had a podcast on permission, I believe, months ago. So you might want to go back and look at that one. But we're talking about, when we talk about permission is how receptive someone is to you or your message. So at the beginning of trial, jurors are not receptive at all. They don't want to be there. They're in their hostage state. They just want to get out. And if you try to force them to make a decision from that place, they will make whatever decision buys their freedom the quickest. And as you've heard me say before, that is rarely a good decision for the plaintiff. So we want to get jurors to actively want to participate. And that's why we slowly move them through the four steps. Safety, engagement, commitment, action. Now, when we're talking about the idea that trial is a transfer of energy and power, the same thing can be applied to you. So I want to just back up for a minute. Before this even came to trial, you, and you may not realize this, also went through those same four steps, didn't you? I mean, at first, the, you, when this, this case came across your desk, you had to determine whether it was safe, meaning, is there money in it? Can I actually win this thing? And so you then engaged with it to find out. You maybe read some of the uh, information in the case. You interviewed the people involved in the case. You, you talked to some other lawyers if they were involved in the case. Once you decided to take it on, that's when you made a commitment. So we've gone through safety, then you've engaged, now you've committed. And finally, once you get to trial, you've now taken action by actually bringing it to, to trial. So what I want you to understand here is that you went through the same steps that the jury is now going to have to go through. And the reason this is important is because I think what we, we do inadvertently in trial is kind of just dump this on the jurors, not realizing 
that they have to go through the same journey that we went on in order to really do justice for the case. They have to see that it's safe to be a juror. They have to engage with the information in the case and with each other and with you. They have to have enough details to in, a, in order to commit. And they have to be empowered in order to take action for you and your, and your client. And then that way... It is a transfer of energy, meaning you've had this burden of this case for months, if not years. You've carried this with you as you've taken depositions, as you've argued motions, as you've gone back and forth with the defense counsel in the case. This has really been a burden that you willingly chose, unlike the jurors, and now you are giving your burden to them to carry. And I think if you get this, it will make you first much more sympathetic to the plight that jurors find themselves in. They are 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 being asked to take a burden on that they never asked for, unlike you had the choice. And it helps when you look at it that way, that what you're trying to get them to do is what you've done for the last several months, if not years. And so as you've gone through a jur- uh, the process, the journey with your clients, now the jurors are going to go on a journey with your clients and the story and all the facts as well. And you've got to prepare them for that journey. And that's why the four steps exist in that you can't just ask them to take action because that's not fair. It's not like the case came across your table and you were like, great, I'll take it. No, you had to actually explore it and go in and identify the issues and wrestle with those issues and see if they could become overcome. That's the same thing that jurors are going to have to do. You have to release it slowly over time so that with each step, they willingly take a little bit more of that burden on, what burden on, that burden on, that burden on which is why you have to change your role. We've talked a little bit about this. So in the safety portion, you are guide. Your job is to create safety and say, here's how this whole thing works. Here's how this process works. I'm going to take you through it. You know, you don't need to be afraid. Just stick with me and I'll show you the way. Now, jurors are looking for any kind of guide at this process. So if you show up as one, they're all over it, all right? They want someone to tell them how this thing works. But as you continue to step two, which is engagement, now your role shifts to facilitator. And in this step, now you're going to be like, here's what this is about here. The principles you're going to have to um, wrestle with. Let me hear about your experiences with these particular things. Have you ever had this experience? What were your thoughts about that? What do you think should have happened? And so now they're starting to engage with it, just like you did when you first took the case. They're starting to explore the issues. They're starting to look at the at the problems in the case. And this is where you're doing your great voir dire. When you go to opening, now you change to teacher. Now you're saying, here's what this case is about. And this is kind of what you went through when you decided on your strategy. You're like, look, how can I message this case? What makes this whole thing come together? How does this, how do all the pieces fit here? And now you're communicating that to jurors. And so that they're seeing how all the pieces fit. 
if you did a correct voir dire, you started this, you've talked about all the things that they're going to have to wrestle with, deal with, handle as jurors, but now they get to actually hear the details of those things. And that's quite satisfying if you do this the way that you're supposed to, which is, you know, when I worked with a case a couple of weeks ago with, with some trial attorneys, they were amazed. They said, you know, nobody's teaching the connection between voir dire and opening. And I, I tend to agree with that. And they said, I can't believe I never saw how these two things fit together. Because if you do voir dire correctly, you've basically covered nearly all of the things you're going to cover in opening. Not in detail, not in any way that's specific to the case, but you've dealt with all the issues. And now you're just saying, here's how all these issues play together in this case. But you've gotten all the you need from the jurors. In fact, you can now use the language that jurors used in voir dire. For example, in this last case, uh, somebody said, we asked about kids and what have you taught your kids about responsibility? And one of the people said, I want my kids to give back to community, to the community and be, you know, good members of society. And so when we talked about the plaintiff who died, we used those exact words because they were true, not to manipulate because they were true. We said, and in this case, you're going to learn about so-and-so plaintiff who gave back to his community. He was such a respected member of society. We are able to use the words. We were talking about drinking and we asked the jurors, what have you taught your kids about drinking? And one of the jurors said, I said, you call me anytime, day or night, and I'll come get you. And so we were able to use those exact words in opening, which connects us to the jurors because now they feel smart. Hey, you're saying what I told you in Wadir. It's so powerful. So that's what you're doing in opening. You're now connecting the facilitation, the engagement phase to the details phase. You're teaching them, but you're not really because you already covered so much of this. You're just filling in the gaps. And any questions that they had in Wadir that you couldn't answer, well, what was the blood alcohol level in this case? Or I would really want to know this. And that's why I love that question. What would you want to know should you decide to be a juror in this case about X issue? Because what we don't want to do anytime, side note, what we don't want to do anytime the juror's like, well, and they ask us a question. And most of you will say, oh, you know what? I can't answer that. The judge won't let me answer that. We make the juror wrong. And you don't want to do that. So there's a skill that I teach called volleying. It's just like volleyball. So anytime the juror lobs the volley over to you and says, well, but wait a minute. Was he there by himself or was he w- with somebody else? Instead of saying, oh, I can't answer that, you say, so it'd be important to you to, to know if he was there by himself. And they say, yeah. And so, okay, great. Thank you. I'll make sure to cover that in opening. Or someone says, well, I don't get it. Like, didn't they know how much alcohol they had served at that point? Instead of saying, you know, I can't answer that, you can say, so it'd be important for you to know how much alcohol was served at that point. Yes, it would be. Okay, I'll make sure to cover that in opening. Oh, man, that makes the jurors feel so smart. So you, in opening, you're giving those details, you're answering those questions, the things that they said, I would like to know X, Y, Z. And that really increases your credibility. And the jurors now, because they have more information, are now willing to take on more of the burden. As you can see, as you go through trial, you are slowly giving up the case and delivering it into the juror's hands. If you've got this nice little thing going where you, as you engage with them, make them safe, tell them the details, they take on more and more and become more invested. And and I just think you really need to get this to be able to do this well. Because so many of you hold on to your case. 
I mean, let's think about that. Energetically, you're like, this is my case. And even after you deliver it into the hands of the jurors, you're like, it's still in my hands. And they can energetically feel that. I mean, I don't want to get woo-woo on you, but I, I really believe that. When you haven't really released it, when you really haven't said to them, I trust that you'll do the right thing, and you're just twisting and turning and, and just about dying as they're in the verdict room, they can feel that. You have to give the jurors your case, not at the beginning, but slowly over trial. And they, in return, willingly take it on. That's the whole point of From Hostage to Hero. Because when we get to insight action, you know, for you, you decided to take it to trial. Now you're asking the jurors to take it to verdict. So very similar. And here's where you're not being inspiring teacher. Now you're being the empowering leader. Now you are saying you can do this. And not just you can do this, but I trust you to do this. This is where you don't transfer just the energy, but you transfer your power. You have been the person in power and control throughout trial. And now you take that and you say, now it's in your hands. Now you have the power to make this right. And when you do that, you may feel a little bit like those of you who have children who've grown up and they're 18 and yeah, they are you know, technically an adult, but you're like, oh my God, they're so not ready for this. You may feel a little bit like that, but I'm telling you, when you get your mind right, and if you've done your job correctly, and you're following the steps in the from Hostage to Hero model, you can confidently deliver that case into the hands of the jurors and sit down and know that whatever happens, you've done your best. Your time now is done. You have now transferred that burden to the jury who hopefully at this point has willingly accepted it. So send them off with thoughts of empowerment and release instead of holding on to it so tightly because that is not completing your part of the transaction. Just like you that went through the four steps before you brought it to trial, the jurors have now gone through the four steps and you have to release both the energy and your power at the end of trial to allow them to complete their job. If you don't, I think that's where things get messy, both energetically and otherwise. So be thinking about that as you uh, traverse this new world of From Hostage to Hero. And we hope to have the books in your hands if they're not already by the time this podcast has come out because I'm here to help you on this journey, both the journey you're taking and the journey you're about to take the jurors on as we create the From Hostage to Hero universe. We are going to change the world, people, you and me. All right. Until next time. Thanks, everybody. That's it for this episode of From Hostage to Hero. But head to our website, sorrydlm.com, for other must-have resources from Sari Delamart. Read the transcript of this podcast, watch trial tip videos, or download your free copy of Sari's article, Why Jurors Hate the Hobby Question. We're glad you joined us today. And until next time, remember that to lead a hostage to freedom, you must first free yourself.